brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Support for the Roster Watch podcast and for the Tradecast comes from Manscaped, who is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code ROSTERWATCH at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code ROSTERWATCH. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for joining me again as the Week 8 trade market has taken shape. My name's Byron Lambert, and we've got a lot of business to handle this week, so step into my office for the Week 8 RosterWatch.com tradecast. Returning to action this week from Bayer, the Cleveland Browns, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the Carolina Panthers. Uh, heading into the Week 8 by are the Dallas Cowboys and Baltimore Ravens. We start each and every one of these episodes out with a brief strategy session. So let's begin this week uh, by a uh, maybe a distilled version of the in-depth conversation we laid out last week as it related to the types of trades there are in fantasy football by category and by their overall priority. So let's begin with the highest priority trade there is in fantasy football. This is the number one trade in fantasy football for winning teams. It's the consolidation trade. This is the trade that we most frequently want to be making in our fantasy football leagues. And what is the consolidation trade? Most often, it is the two-for-one or the three-for-two deal. And this is where you are taking two good players and you're trading them for one very, very good player in return. Or you're taking three solid players and you're trading those for two very good players in return. And what the consolidation trade does is it the, the, the primary purpose is to increase the equity in our starting lineup. But through this process, we are also liberating a very valuable roster spot through which we will then undertake either the waiver wire process or potentially the free agent process if there's a guy that we like uh, still available on our wire after waivers have cleared in the given week. And we will then add a high-value replacement whom we have the inside scoop on at rosterwatch.com and we will cultivate that value on our bench. Therefore, we will have also increased the total equity across our roster. The primary purpose of a consolidation trade is to increase the equity or the quality of our starting lineup 
but by also undertaking the waiver wire process every week at rosterwatch.com, we will then also increase the total equity across our entire roster by constantly replacing and cultivating that liberated roster spot that we've freed up through these consolidation trades. This is what smart and winning teams do. So if you want to be smart and winning, you need to behave like a smart and winning fantasy football owner. And a big part of that is remembering that we can, of course, never do any of this at the expense of our starting lineup because that is the number one mandate is to always field the best most competitive starting lineup every week of the season. We've got to always win now. And if we stay in that mode and do that enough consistently throughout the season, the wins will add up and we will make the playoffs. So it is roster watch nation, the consolidation trade, the two for one, the three for two. Those are the most common configurations of the consolidation trade where we are getting the best players in return and where we are liberating the roster spot. That is the highest priority, the highest class of fantasy football trade that exists. It's the consolidation trade. I challenge you, Roster Watch Nation, to make as many consolidation trades that improve your starting roster as possible this season. The second type of fantasy football trade is the liquidation trade. It's the exact opposite of the consolidation trade. It's where we are liquidating assets because we have identified that we must improve our starting lineup. This is the only situation in which a liquidation trade makes sense. I see too many nonsensical questions over at rosterwatch.com and on Twitter at rosterwatch about liquidation trades that have been offered. Just think about this rationally. It's not going to be liquidation trades that have been offered to you that make sense. It's going to be when you've identified that you must improve your starting roster, that you start making the offers. You start approaching other owners with these liquidation trades. So it's going to be very unusual that you're approached with a liquidation trade that makes sense. So most of you that have received a liquidation trade offer, the fact that you've received it almost certainly telegraphs that's an offer that doesn't make sense for your team. Unless you have intentionally sought the liquidation trade out because you have first identified that you must improve your starting lineup is the situation where this is going to make sense. So uh, in that case, if, if you have identified you must improve your starting lineup and you are going to propose some liquidation trades to your counterparts in your league, not only must you have identified that the whole purpose of this trade is to improve your starting lineup because that is the number one problem you are encountering uh, winning in your league right now, then therefore you must also be getting starting caliber players in return in these deals. Otherwise, they do not make sense. The third type of fantasy football trade is the equivalency trade. It's the one for one or it's the two for two. 
see a lot of these trade offers flying around in the message boards at rosterwatch.com. You have to think about what, always think, what is the objective of this trade? What is the purpose of this trade? And in a situation like this, it would only be to balance your roster. Why would you ever trade one guy for one guy or two guys for two guys? It's because you've identified that you are deep at wide receiver but thin at running back. And you need to balance that situation out in order to either improve your starting lineup or just bolster the overall quality of your roster. That's the situation where an equivalency trade would make sense. Now, guys, again, this is the, this is the third priority, the third most common type of fantasy football trade. You're not going to be looking to do these all that often. You know, the number one type of fantasy football trade we are looking to engage is the consolidation trade, the two for one. The second type of trade that's made is the liquidation trade. When we've identified that we must improve our starting lineup right now to win and we know that we can get definitive starters in return. The third type of trade, the equivalency trade, the one for one or the two for two, when we've realized that we must balance our roster in order to improve it. And then last but not least is the symmetrical equivalency trade. It's the lowest priority trade in all of fantasy football. It's the one for one at the same position. It's a nonsensical and harebrained transaction to even contemplate and mostly subterfuge and a waste of your time. Now, the one chance there is to make sense of a symmetrical equivalency trade, the one situation where we can take advantage of a deal like this is if we are a winning team looking for a stash. So I used A.J. Green as an example last week. You may or may not be in love with him. I, I'm not necessarily, uh, I am not necessarily in love with A.J. Green, but he makes for a reasonable uh, subject here uh, in the example. So let's say I own a lesser wide receiver, a receiver that I view as lesser, but who's performing okay. And he's on my bench every week. And there's an A.J. Green owner who, out there who's suffering right now and needs a guy that can play this week to help him win. In that case, I might be an opportunistic winning team operating from a position of luxury that you know, would make the trade of a lesser wide receiver to a struggling team for A.J. Green, who I view as an upgrade at wide receiver, but, but a stash that I can absorb to withstand him just sitting on my bench and giving up this meaningful asset. In the meantime, as the rest of my team is roster is so good and because I'm probably undefeated or maybe one loss, you know, no more than two losses at this point to consider something like that. You must really – a stash is only for a team operating from a position of luxury, so the symmetrical equivalency trade is almost a, always a rabbit hole that is a nonsensical and a waste of your time. But the one time that we can make sense of it 
is if we are a winning team, uh, lavish with assets, who can afford to trade for a stash at, a same, at, a, at the same position? And the other team, the losing team, makes sense of it because he needs a play right now. Otherwise, those trades rarely, if ever, make sense. Identify your needs. Target losing teams every week. When you're examining a trade, ask yourself, are you operating from a position of luxury? Which would be an undefeated or a one-loss team with a stockpile of quality assets? Always maintain a focus on your starting lineup when considering any deal. Ask yourself, what is the net fallout of this trade offer? Where are you making a noticeable upgrade? What of meaningful value are you giving up in this fantasy football trade? Who does it send to your bench? Does this trade upgrade your starting lineup? Are the guys you're trading for starters on your team? Who are the principals involved in this trade? Are you getting the best players? Do you even need multiple players in return? Quit overpaying for quarterbacks. Have you ever tried shaving your balls? Because if you've tried it, you know that it's a very hit or miss God, it's a very hit or miss situation and it's usually missed because what you want to do is you want to make things fresh down there you want to make things clean down there you want to make it nice for yourself but in the process of doing so it's such a sensitive area it's, it's so easy to get these snags and these nicks and these cuts what i'm telling you right now is because of manscaped.com what manscaped has is the lawnmower 2.0 it has a proprietary skin safe technology so this trimmer is not going to nick you it's not going to snag you it's not going to hurt you there's also the crop preserver which is anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer and look guys you already put deodorant on your armpits why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body 85% of women think that bad grooming is a major turnoff. That's, that's thanks to Dr. Drew. And 80% 80, 80 of women think that men should manscape below the belt via an independent study. Uh, I just want you to hear from my wife. Is it true that 85% of women feel like it's a turnoff that, for men not to groom down there? Um, yes. And hair is disgusting. Well, but what about me for the... I didn't. I hadn't taken care of this until Manscaped sent me this big basket of stuff. <laughs> this um, is a special offer just for my listeners. Get twenty percent off and free shipping at Manscaped.com. That's right. Manscaped is offering Roster Watch listeners twenty percent off and free shipping. To get yours, go to Manscaped.com and use promo code Roster Watch. Again, manscaped.com, use the promo code ROSTERWATCH and get 20% off and free shipping. All right, everybody, we'll get to examples of mock trades uh, that we would like to construct uh, this week 
later in the podcast, as we do every week, right here on the rosterwatch.com uh, tradecast. Uh, of course, we kindly ask that each of you please go over to Apple Podcasts, rate and review the Roster Watch podcast, subscribe to the Roster Watch podcast. Please leave a five star rating and a glowing review. And then follow us, support us. You can follow us on Twitter at Rosterwatch. You can support us over at the site rosterwatch.com with a pro subscription. First, like we do every week, a look back at the fallout from the week seven trade market and the week that was as we look ahead to week eight. Let's begin with the uh, week seven running back touts. Adrian Peterson was a sell high. He is the very same thing this week. If you couldn't do it last week, you should keep trying to do it this week. Uh, it's Minnesota and then the Buffalo Bills and then a bye for Adrian Peterson and Darius Geis return on the horizon. Jamal Williams running back Green Bay Packers was a sell high last week. His status is the same for week eight. Continue to sell Jamal Williams, running back of the Green Bay Packers, high this week. It was a 40% snap count in week seven, seven touches for Jamal Williams. He got the touchdown. We said it last week. He's going to be a solid flex this season, but it's going to be hit or miss and tough to time with Jamal Williams. Alleviating the headache is worth a lot and as always, we want to level up in a consolidation trade. Take Jamal Williams, take one other good player, package them together, and trade them for one really good player in return. Liberate a roster spot. We'll give you some examples of that, of course, uh, later in the show. Uh, guys on the running back market last week that we discussed, that we examined right here on the rosterwatch.com tradecast, that running backs, we you know, weren't ultimately sure with it. We, it seemed like they could actually almost a three way go on all of these guys. They could kind of go in any direction. And we always like to look at the fallout from the previous week's trade market as it relates to the current week, um, as it flows right into the week eight trade market. So with Damian Williams is one of those guys in week seven that, you know, we said it last week, you're probably stuck with him. But it was unclear, you know, before the Mahomes injury, was he just a flat-out sell? Maybe he had become a crazy buy low. As I look to week eight post-Patrick Mahomes injury, even though we're hearing back, hearing that Mahomes is actually, we're hearing today is close to coming back very soon, uh, Damian Williams is, you know, he feels like he's nearly a drop running back Kansas City in your fantasy league. Um or almost a sell regardless of what's going on, regardless of Patrick Mahomes. Let it, let's it. let take into account that we are getting news here today that Mahomes may be closing in on his return sooner than later. So I suppose if you're a winning team that can stash Damian Williams till late in the season, congratulations. But that's there's a good chance he was a second or third round pick, and that's not your exact situation. So who knows what's going to happen with him. Uh, he's probably still a flex the rest of the season, and even with Mahomes, probably a very viable one with Mahomes. But at this point, I mean, you certainly have to be willing to toss Damian Williams 
in as a throw in on any two for one or three for two consolidation deal that you can do right now to rid yourself of the headache and get whatever you can, especially if you're a losing team, you know, get whatever you can for player that you like more. Uh, You know, maybe we can let the Patrick Mahomes return high permeate the ethos a little bit before we make this offer that includes Damian Williams uh, in an attempt to level up elsewhere. He's still very much in limbo for week eight. Joe Mixon uh, was in this category last week of kind of what do I do with him? Is he a buy? Is he is he a buy like really low? Is he a sell? Is he a hold? A lot of these guys are ultimately holds. I'd say his status for week eight has flat out turned to a red uh, sell. He's on a... He, you know, you're probably a losing team if you've had Joe Mixon, or maybe. I'd say, let's let's reframe this. If you are a losing team that rosters Joe Mixon, then he is most likely a sell at this point, and I just take what I can get in order to upgrade my starting lineup right now at this point and try to win now. You know, hopefully you could get still get two flex plays in return, that you like reason at least reasonably for the rest of the season that you believe have good matchups on the horizon for Mixon. I mean, he got the touchdown last week, but it was only eleven touched it eleven touches. I mean, I'm looking at the snap counts, touches, and targets tool right now because I have my notes for this podcast. But I'm so astonished at what I'm Joe Mixon's numbers. I got to look back to see that it was eleven touches and four yards on a fifty-four percent snap count. Uh, you can see all of this data over on the Snap Counts, Touches, and Targets tool at rosterwatch.com, along with everything else I'm talking about on this podcast. All that data can be found throughout all of our tools over there with a pro subscription. But nonetheless, it was a Joe Mixon with only four yards in week seven. He got the touchdown, but four yards, 11 touches, 54% snap count. The snap count has been our big red flag, our big concern all season long with Joe Mixon. So the big red flag, I think he's a big red sell. He's got the Rams. He's at the Rams this week. Then it's a buy for Joe Mixon. And then it's a fairly difficult kind of hit or miss schedule the rest of the way for the Bengals running young running back. Uh, you know, God, wouldn't you love to see a Joe Mixon land somewhere like a you know Houston with the Texans on a good offense, you know, at the trade deadline as this, you know, the Bengals look towards a rebuild. Certainly doesn't seem like it would happen. There's not much of a running back market out there, I don't think, for a guy like that. Um, So at this point, Joe Mixon looks like a matchup-based flex at only 14 touches per game. We At some point, we need to read uh, the tea leaves, read the writing on the wall, and take things for what they are. Certainly, you know, there is a situation where he could become an ultra-by-low and like I've always said, everybody has their price where I can become interested. But at this point, I'd say in the vast majority of leagues, to any losing Joe Mixon owner, he's a sell for whatever you can get that's of reasonable starting value that helps your starting lineup right now You know, with some guys with good matchups that you can feel okay about. Uh, if you can do that, that's fantastic. Or you know, maybe you can work a deal the other way where you can just flat out throw him in to a consolidation trade as the throw-in that puts you over the top on an ultra premium player. Last week we told you, you know, you were really in no man's land on Melvin Gordon. That's a guy we've been worried about for a few weeks here on the podcast. 
Uh, you know, and last week we told you is this sell wherever you could in a possible deal for a guy like Le'Veon Bell or Alvin Kamara. We knew a lot of you would probably have to hold him. And, I mean, the situation has only devolved. The situation's only worse now after the puny and pitiful performance uh, this last week where, once again, he was outperformed by Austin Eckler at 15 touches per game, um, bottom 10 in the league in points per touch, only 5.2 points per game in standard. I mean, by definition, I guess you could argue that Melvin Gordon is a bit of a buy low uh, to some extent as well, if these, you know, if his if his owner's perception of him starts to align with the actual numbers, at some point he could be a buy low. But you got to think people are too invested of him to have uh, that type of realistic grip on the situation at this point. So, in a lot of situations, Melvin Gordon probably still a hold. And I'll tell you, if I can, I'm still going to go back to last week's instructions and if I can sell him still for a guy like Bell or Camaro we'll talk about it later in the podcast when we construct some mock trade examples for week eight um I'm certainly still considering that that's for sure uh every week we have a category of players and again we are talking about the fallout from all of the week seven uh, fantasy football trade market that we broke down right here last week on the rosterwatch.com tradecast. We like to look back every week and see how these players flow into the current week because there's a lot of a lot of this that bleeds over and you know there's always a group of guys that we say are you know not everybody is a sell high we you know or a buy low. Some guys are just buys and some guys are just sells, right? And so we got to be very, you know, uh, aware of that. And so guys like Adrian Peterson and Jamal Williams, those were just flat out sells that we started this discussion off with here today. Whereas you have players like Carlos Hyde, Miles Sanders, Tevin Coleman. Those guys are all only sell if you can sell really high, but we're interested in selling high. Well, we're also willing to keep. And so when I look over at a Carlos Hyde, I'd say his status stays very much the same for this week. I, I continue to feel that way about Carlos Hyde at 12 touches last week, a 40% snap count, only 35 yards and a bottom five schedule uh, that lies ahead. Bottom five projected schedule per fantasypros.com. I'm absolutely still trying to sell Carlos Hyde high in a deal from a premium player. Once again, these this group of players is a we're trying to sell so high on them that we're using them to land premium or elite players in return. So Carlos Hyde continues to be a, just a fine hold if you need to, but also a sell high. Carlos Hyde not a sell, but Carlos Hyde a sell high for a premium player. Or keep a uh, fine hold if you need to. Just realize that he is a flex play, and uh, you're going to kind of have to ride the waves. Anytime he gets hot is a good time to continue uh, to try to sell him. Last week wasn't a hot week, but Carlos Hyde's been good enough out of the gate that I don't think anybody's totally sour on him right now. If there's a guy struggling out there that needs a couple of pretty good players in return uh, to fill out a starting lineup, Miles Sanders. I'd say same uh, same category as last week, the same category as Carlos Hyde. You can keep him if you want to. It's fine. He's not a sell, but he is a sell high because there's another 54% snap count on 
Uh, only nine touches and only 32 yards for Miles Sanders in week seven. The snap counts haven't been there. The touches just simply have not been there. It's a, a Doug Peterson running game and anytime you can parlay a player like this into a more reliable higher upside higher quality asset you're doing your entire roster a favor you're doing your fantasy football playoff chances a favor tevin coleman belongs in this group a player uh now again i don't value all the players in this group the same but these are players that i have to me fit the same category you can keep tevin coleman but you can also consider selling him very high. Once again, Tevin Coleman, not a sell, but a potential sell very, very high or obviously a keep. And that status hadn't changed for this week. Uh, as a matter of fact, it probably tilts a little bit more towards keeping now that we've seen 20 touches two weeks in a row. It was 22 touches this week, 20 touches last week. It was only a 55% snap count last week, but it was a 66 percenter. In, uh, I mean, it was a 55%er in week six, a 66%er in week seven. That's the trend we want to see. Now, we, we need to see that kind of lock in over the next few weeks to be feel real good about it. But 66 is that magic number. 66, 67, two-thirds uh, snap count percentage is the magic number we talk about for all our high upside RB2s uh, over at rosterwatch.com. Right here on the uh, rosterwatch.com tradecast every week of the uh, fantasy football trade season, that is. And so Tevin Coleman, certainly, you know, we need to realize, though, that is RB2. So if we can sell him super high for an ultra-premium player, you have to consider that as good as he is, as much as we like his increasing uh, touches, as good as we feel about keeping him. Uh, you can never forget it's always a little bit of a running back by committee whenever you have Shanahan. So uh, it was something to keep an eye on. You know, he Tevin Coleman is top five running back in red red zone opportunities uh, per game so far this season. He's a top five running back on the season. This is Tevin Coleman in red zone opportunities per game. That's attempts, rushing attempts plus targets on the season so far and that's at four per game which is tied in the top five with Todd Gurley those guys are you know basically 4A 4B in the top five and just a notch behind guys like Leonard Fournette and Christian McCaffrey who are more like four and a half red zone opportunities uh, per game so that's very very enticing number for Tevin Coleman on what looks like a good 49ers team but not you know um uh, again, I'm not as eager to get rid of him as maybe the Miles Sanders or the Carlos Hydes we're talking about in this uh, same category. But again, we can always use Tevin Coleman to bait the hook for a really big trophy fish. Uh, David Johnson was in this category last week as kind of a sell high or a keep. And I would say he's certainly moved. His status has changed for week eight into just a flat out. I'm not sure what to do with David Johnson. Is he a sell? Is he a keep? Maybe people are alarmed out there. He's becoming a buy super low. I mean, David Johnson was damn good, you know, to begin the season. Obviously, Chase Edmonds changing the calculus, changing the equation. He looks like he's going to be too good to keep off the field. It was a bottom five schedule. Uh, rest of season as projected by fantasypros.com that had us even thinking about David Johnson really in the first place last week as a guy that you could start to think about selling high on. Obviously, 
we're seeing the injuries creep, you know, starting to creep into focus a little bit. But this last week has people feeling very salty about the injury situation with David Johnson. So uh, he was a sell high for a premium player a hold last week with the injuries cropping up in a bottom five schedule and after a nice, nice start to the season. Uh, but I think we're in a same or worse position with less leverage this week after he ghosted us in week seven. And we're hearing that the back and knee injuries are persisting. We're also getting word that the Cardinals have brought in Alfred Morris and Zach Zinner. Um, Things have certainly changed over the last week with David Johnson. This is why we always go back and rehash uh, the discussion from the previous week because it's still very, very relevant as to what's going on here in our fantasy uh, leagues. And I'd say some might even feel like the bottom is starting to fall out of David Johnson right now. So, uh, if we're selling them, I think we're probably going to have to back down our asking price somewhat. I mean, but let's remember this isn't a fire sale, at least not yet for David Johnson. So when you're selling a player like him, you still need to get a couple of guys in return uh, that you like. And, um, you know, maybe if he's in your league on a team that's struggling uh, really bad right now and uh, that his owner is an alarmist who just thinks the, uh, you know, the, uh, the world is burning down. Uh, and you're a team who's operating from a position of just rich, uh, lavish luxury. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe David Johnson begins to come into focus as a guy we can buy super low on. Maybe we can be sharp and outsmart everybody and kind of, you know, one thing we, uh, we, I think often to myself that it wasn't in my notes today that I've been wanting to include in the strategy session, a little aside here is that. Guys, a lot of times when we're working these trade deals or really anything else in life, you know, so much of this is just like a puzzle. We always get, it's very easy to get entrenched with blinders on into this line of logic that you're working, you know, which seems to be intuitive or maybe totally rational or logical. And sometimes you're just butting your head against the wall. Sometimes the best strategy is just to back your way all the way out of the thing. And just think about taking that whole thing and flipping it on its entire head. And what opportunities that might open up. That's what somebody that's kind of got some ingenuity to the way they think might do. And I'm not saying you want to go spend a whole lot of time trying to buy super low on David Johnson right now. But, you know, we like to zig when they zag. And certainly if all the sentiment is going one way and turns out that David Johnson's injuries aren't that bad, yeah, maybe he's devolved to... A running back to at this point but i can always certainly be interested in also buying david johnson at a super low price if i'm a winning team operating from a position of luxury so david johnson's status has changed from a sell very high or a or a keep uh to somebody that we're not sure what to do with it's very much going to depend on your roster situation the david johnson owner's roster situation the value in your league. And guys, that's another question you ask me about is how do we gauge value in your league? I mean, really, there's no other way to do it than to send trade offers out. So if you want to err on the side of caution, you can always start a little bit on the low side. You can always start a little bit on the low side and get that feel for what the value is of a player. But I think you just come right here. You come to rosterwatch.com. You come to the Tradecast every week. This is where you get an idea of value on players. You can look at the rankings on the site. You can look at the tools on the site. You can come interact with us in the message boards at rosterwatch.com, and we can help give you some insight there. You can also find us on Twitter at 
uh, roster watch. So, you know, you can always, what we called in poker, send out, throw out, toss out some feeler bets. Uh, that's the way I would uh, view that. Uh, certainly, if you're hands off David Johnson at this point, I would understand it. And I think a lot of you guys are also going to just have to flat out kind of keep him and see what happens. Chris Carson came into focus as a very, you know, a sell very, very high in week seven or more than likely a keep because we really like him. And, you know, a lot of selling high is who can you trade up for? How much better is the player that you could trade up for? It's unclear with Chris Carson on an 89% snap count, 24 touches uh, last week, 23 touches on the season so far when healthy at only a 26% touchdown dependency uh, rate that's a very viable and comfortable place uh, for Chris Carson to perform. I mean, his production appears to be very, very sustainable at this point. But he came into focus a little bit last week. He has that same bottom five schedule uh, that uh, you know he that fantasy pros had put out uh, that the David Johnsons of the world, the Carlos Hyde's, not the exact same schedule, obviously, but falls into that group. Players that are you know facing. Uh, and that that potential obstacle as we move through the season, and you look over to Chris Carson. I don't think his ch- his status has changed much after a monster week in Week Seven. It was only in terms of touches and snap percentage, which was only eighty four yards. He gets a decent matchup at Atlanta this week. Um, and then this is a, pro- a matchup with Tampa Bay, who per the matchup tool at rosterwatch.com, and number twenty eight matchup this week for running backs is actually a surprisingly difficult matchup next week on the horizon for Chris Carson. And then it's the number 29 matchup of the week and the week after that, uh, the San Francisco 49ers. So Chris Carson has a tough little run here followed by the bye. Uh, basically over the next month of the fantasy season, uh, coupled with the bottom five schedule. So plenty to like about Chris Carson. Plenty of reason to stick with them. But a few things there that when you drill down, you start saying, okay, he's got a good matchup this week, but he's got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the 49ers in week nine and week 10, both of whom are two of the very toughest matchups against fantasy running backs on the season. Uh, You know, it's tough next week and only gets tougher in San Francisco the week after that. Uh, And then a bye. And all of that is baked into that bottom five schedule. I'm sure that fantasy pros put out and with a couple of, you know, tough uh, matchups on the backside of that buy as well. So, you know what? I mean, it, again, it depends on how high you can sell, but if you factor all those things in, maybe for the right guy, I can still be interested in selling very, very high on Chris Carson. Again, none of those guys we just spoke about, Carlos Hyde, Miles Sanders, Tevin Coleman, David Johnson, or Chris Carson's are sells. But they are potentially sell high, and certainly those are guys that you uh, can can uh, you know look at keeping uh, if you have to. Devin Singletary, Le'Veon Bell, and Elvin Kamara were our running back buys in Week Seven. I'd say all of their statuses uh, have. Uh, Really not changed much with Devin Singletary. His role, I believe, is coming more into focus. So I'd say he continues to be a buy, but only where we're buying really low. You know, Le'Veon Bell, Alvin Kamara are just flat-out buys. Devin Singletary may more or less be a buy low. Only 39% snap count in Week 7 for Devin Singletary, the Buffalo Bills uh, rookie running back. Seven touches 
Uh, the good news, there was no TJ Yeldon in sight. Frank Gore and Devin Singletary had the Bills' backfield all to themselves. Frank Gore with 12 touches, 66 yards, a 54% snap count. On the other hand, I have a feeling that's about where they'd like to keep Frank Gore. That's probably exactly where they'd like to keep Frank Gore. So that tells me that Devin Singletary has the opportunity to trend towards a 40 to 50% snap count and maybe 10 touch per game. Uh, type role at least in the foreseeable future which I still believe makes him a solid flex ad so keep buying Devin Singletary really low where possible he's certainly more upside than that if things change or if Gore were to go down or be sidelined they're not going to play I mean Yeldon's going to come in second fiddle behind Singletary that's very clear Devin Singletary also top 10 running back on the season in points per touch Profiling a lot like a Chase Edmonds or an Austin Eckler has the Washington Redskins, the Cleveland Browns, and the Miami Dolphins. Such a beautiful schedule on the horizon, weeks 9 through 11 for Bills running back Devin Singletary. He is a buy low. He continues to be a buy low where we can. Le'Veon Bell, he's been a buy on this podcast for a couple weeks. Kind of an anticipatory buy the last few weeks. This week, I think we got... Uh, basically what we expected, a tough matchup, the last tough matchup of the foreseeable future for all the Jets against the New England Patriots. And we've been expecting that it was going to be just wheels up, completely wheels up after this. So any of us who traded for Le'Veon Bell the last few weeks, it was strictly a uh, move in preparation uh, for week nine and beyond where we'll get to the schedule for these Jets later, but it's absolutely uh, bananas. And I'd say the window is still open on Le'Veon Bell and to absolutely keep after it uh, with him. He is an absolute uh, buy with the upcoming schedule. And Alvin Kamara, I'd say the same, uh, same, but more for luxury teams who are the undefeated or one-loss teams uh, with a you know just a full arsenal of, of very marketable assets. If the injury persists to Alvin Kamara, uh, they've got the matchup this week, and then they head into the bye. There could be an opportunity if there's a losing owner who rosters him. Admit, probably not for a discount, but to, to come in and get Alvin Kamara in the first place. Like I say, not probably not a buy low necessarily, but just the fact that he's a buy is good enough um, for us. Let's continue here with the fallout from the Week 7 wide receiver uh, touts last week on the RosterWatch.com tradecast right here. On the Roster Watch podcast, uh, you can find us uh, over on Apple Podcasts. Please subscribe. Please rate, review. A five-star rating, a glowing review would certainly be much, much appreciated. We kindly and respectfully ask each and every one of you guys just to take uh, – ladies and gentlemen, actually, to please take a few seconds – uh, to support us by doing that uh, the fallout from the week seven wide receiver touts as it dovetails into week eight as we flow into week eight and look forward look ahead to our strategy here our trade strategy for the current week uh, Stefan Diggs a guy who was a sell last week certainly remains in play but I would say uh, he his status has changed you know we wanted to sell high on Stefan Diggs the last couple of weeks and I, that could still be a very prudent idea given his profile. The, the situation this week, though, is that we have Adam Thielen out. We have Adam Thielen out with a great matchup on deck, or we're more than likely going to have Adam Thielen out. Uh, so, it, you know, we, like I said, we're mostly in win-now mode all the time, and he looks like a great play this week. 
Um, so maybe we can uh, reconsider selling him super high uh, next week. You know, so he, he he went from a flat out sell high last week to now I think he's like a sell high or a keep, depending on your situation. It may still be a short term keep as we're still worried about the six six targets a game, but he has picked up nineteen targets over the last two games. We'll have to see if that continues on uh, that uh, trajectory or at that. Uh, level, but you know we could still be very interested in taking Stefan Diggs right now while he's hot as hell and leveling up for a super premium player uh, using Diggs and another quality asset in a two for one consolidation trade to net us a big fish. So I think you can go. You have a little bit more opportunity, uh, some latitude to do what you'd like with Stefan Diggs this week. As far as keeping him and, you know, maybe we can just try to play this hand again next week after this matchup. But I I do, of course, think you could also consider selling him high if it's for the right deal. But Stefan Diggs, you know, he's proven his mettle right now. Um, You know, you have to be a little more confident in him than you were, you know, before at least hitting into this week's matchup. Last week we told you Keenan Allen, T.Y. Hilton, and Marquise Brown were all wide receivers to watch. They were all wide receivers that just – they could be names involved in the trade market given their status. I'd say Keenan Allen's status has not changed much uh, for this week. 11 targets in week seven on a 94% snap count. He's got kind of a middling schedule over the next four weeks before the Chargers get their bye. It's at Chicago this week for Keenan Allen. Not exactly the best spot. Um, you know, and I just think he's a guy who's still going to be on the trade market because people aren't exactly sure what to do with Keenan Allen right now. Is he a buy? Is he a sell? He's a hold. Most of these players result in a hold, but they deserve to be discussed because they're in play. So, you know, what direction you go with Keenan Allen is going to very much depend on his value in your league and your associated roster needs. T.Y. Hilton has gone from, I'd say, a guy that we weren't sure what to do with. He could have been a buy. He could have been a sell. Could have been a keep. And I'd say now he's kind of solidified as either a sell very high for a premium player or a flat out keep. And you just live with the situation. It's a good situation to live with considering Brissett is absolutely balling out. I believe he's got the most touchdown passes in the league. Uh, there's, there's some nutty red zone stat. Uh, anyways, T.Y. Hilton, he could also always be the kind of player you always want to keep an eye out for the prime window to sell high on in a deal for a really, really good player. So his status has kind of gone from what do I do with him? It could be a three-way go to I'm a little more amenable to just flat out keeping or if I'm going to sell him, it has to be really high and it has to be for a premium player. But I'm, I'm also amenable to doing that. And I think there's some guys you can – uh, you know, possibly do that with if you have the luxury of assets to part with a player like Keenan Allen. Marquise Brown has gone from a player that uh, could have been a three-way go last week to I'd say this week his status has changed to buying low, buy low wherever I can. I mean, it's not it's not a you know a live or die mandate, but certainly would be a nice wide receiver three or flex to add for down the stretch. Hollywood Brown. It's been out of sight, out of mind the last two weeks. He's got the bye this week. So, you know, not everybody is a, is a um, you know, NFL draft, Nick, that got, you know, this, you know, so in love with just the scouting profile of all these players. They're just buying hype. They were told by, you know, the, you know, the, the general sports media and fantasy industry uh, heading into the season. So they thought they should have been in love with Marquise Brown, but maybe it hadn't turned out how they were told it was going to be, and maybe they're not 
uh, as you know, as still as high on him as the rest of us who've really scouted the guy and know what kind of player he is and what kind of fit he is in that offense and how good of a flex or wide receiver three he could be. Again, he's not a buy. He's a buy low. That's Marquise Hollywood Brown of the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Terry McLaurin and Allen Robinson were both wide receivers from the Week 7 trade market who were sell high for a premium player or keep because they're very good players and ne- neither of their statuses have changed for this week. Um, I would They're both still in play, but only on the sell side of the market or the hold side of the market. Um, you know, And when you're on the sell side of the market with either of these players, it's on the sell very high side of the market. We're not necessarily looking to go out and buy a Terry McLaurin or an Allen Robinson. San Francisco last week for Terry McLaurin. Minnesota coming up this week, not bad. But then he gets Buffalo Bills, who are very tough against fantasy wide receivers. And then it's a bye for the Bills and Terry McLaurin. Have always worried about the quarterback play in Washington and at less than seven targets per game. I mean, you have to have some concern about McLaurin's week-to-week viability long-term. He's still a wide receiver one on the season, so he's absolutely fine to keep. We've seen really all we need to out of him you know is his production going to come to earth could it you know we just maybe need to set our expectations that but i'm certainly still also willing to deal him for the right player and the same would go for Allen robinson the 9.83 targets per game have been absolutely amazing this season so far for Allen robinson he is a good wide receiver too i'm having to readjust my expectations up on him a little bit as bad as you know, our obvious concerns are about Nagy and how bad Trubisky is. The Bears have their buy out of the way. So if you need to keep Allen Robinson as a solid wide receiver too, and especially in any type of PPR format, I think that's absolutely fine. But again, on that offense with that quarterback and with the history, uh, you know, this what we've seen, you know, over the last couple of years when Chicago, I just think that if you could part with Allen Robinson for a player that you're just, you know, is an ultra premium or super elite player, you'd absolutely have to consider it. The wide receiver buys last week were DeAndre Hopkins, Amari Cooper, and A.J. Green. You feel absolutely amazing if you bought DeAndre Hopkins. You certainly felt good if you went in and somehow were able to buy in on Amari Cooper last week. And then A.J. Green, he remains a buy. It looks like he's still likely a few weeks out uh, from returning to the Bengals. He could also be traded soon. Um, so he's a, just a stash though You know, he's also a stash We'll have to know We'll know very soon if he's traded or not um, But likely still a few weeks out So a stash in a luxury trade For a winning team That's kind of just looking to mess around And, uh, uh, you know, just it's You know, just get, you know Add another toy to the roster And obviously DeAndre Hopkins and Amari Cooper's Status on the trade market has changed drastically from week seven to week eight. Both of those guys are completely off the market now for week eight. And uh, before we head over uh, to all of the new players in the week eight rosterwatch.com trade market from the rosterwatch.com trade cast right here on Apple Podcasts, let's finish up, let's wrap up with the fallout from the Fantasy tight end touts on the week seven trade market. It was Hunter Henry and Austin Hooper were a sell very high or a keep. Uh, with Hunter Henry this last week, we got a 91% snap count, eight targets, 97 yards. So he continues to perform just the way you like to see it. And then Austin Hooper, I mean, he just kept on keeping on this last week, another touchdown. So 
you know, I'd see say for either of those guys, you're keeping them, and if you're selling high, you're aiming for like a running back, wide receiver, hopefully a one, but no less than a two. You know, guys that you would have to consider very, very good flex plays to give up on a player like that. And then Zach Ertz was a tight end. We told you last week was maybe shaping up as a tiny bit of a buy low. And I'd have to say that that continues. That continues after another pedestrian game. He's got Buffalo, Chicago coming up and then a buy and then New England. It's a bad stretch ahead for Zach Ertz. So maybe we're just completely hands off, but seven targets uh, per week over the last three weeks is also worrisome. You know, it's still Zach Ertz. I was at Eagles training camp. Sure, things have changed and other guys are emerging. But, boy, I mean, he, he still very clearly just like was Carson Wentz's number one target and his most reliable receiver and his security blanket. So just hate to throw everything out the window we've seen over the last few years. So I can still take my chances on a guy like Zach Ertz in the right deal if his owner has come to earth and come to his senses on a reasonable uh, value uh, right there. And, you know, adding a guy like Zach Ertz, maybe he's not the world beater he's been in recent years, but it certainly resolves a weekly headache, and there's a lot to be said uh, for that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, now on to the new players in the Week 8 fantasy football trade market. New for Week 8 on the running back side of the fantasy football trade market is Chase Edmonds. He's obviously a hold or possibly a sell very, very high. He's riding an amazing wave of hype uh, just right now. I mean, a 100-foot wave of hype right now and looks to be like a very good hold. I'd say probably a flex play is a reasonable, a good flex play, a solid flex play. Moving forward, a reasonable expectation for Chase Edmonds. Certainly a lot more upside than that, depending on David Johnson's status, which we continue to get more alarmed about the more we hear about a Zach Zinner and an Alfred Morris uh, uh, being brought in. So, I mean, you guys have heard all the buzz on Chase Edmonds the last couple of days. You saw his fantasy score. You heard about the three touchdowns, but the way that it went down was on 29 touches on a 94% snap count, 150 yards. So he does have that same bottom five schedule that DJ has on the horizon, muddles the situation a little bit uh, down the stretch. So, but certainly, I mean, the numbers tell us that Chase Edmonds is a very quality hold moving forward and the eyeball test you know corroborates that nonetheless we're always opportunistic and we're always open to deals and negotiations everybody's got their price and if we could sell very high riding a huge wave of momentum on chase Edmonds right now consider doing it can i throw him in on a deal that puts me over the top for a Le'Veon bell you know can i package him with another good player and get that done that uh, another good player that we want to part with, you know, maybe so. We'll get to some examples uh, later in uh, the the podcast. Sony Michelle, new for week eight. And he's a hold or a sell very, very high. I mean, at some point you start to think he's just going to be the guy that scores a bunch of touchdowns for the New England Patriots, but he still continues to have so much of the sell high profile. We have to consider it. But at this point, you're selling very high. On Sonny Michelle, he's not a sell. He's only a sell high. He's a sell high or a keep. 
Patriots running back Sonny Michelle. He's riding high on four touchdowns over the last three weeks, but still only 3.3 yards per carry on the season at an unsustainable, seemingly unsustainable 46% touchdown dependency rate for Sony Michelle. 17.86 touches per game so far on the season. However, less than or however, just over one target per game on the season. Sony Michelle is RB6. So far this year in terms of red zone opportunities per game at 3.85, which on the surface is impressive because it's just behind guys like Todd Gurley and Tevin Coleman that we spoke about earlier who are, you know, top five at four red zone opportunities per game. And just, you know, again, not too far in the rearview mirror behind some of the uh, other guys like uh, at the very top there. Uh, But if you drill down a little bit further into the numbers with Sony Michelle, Versus those other guys. Yes, he's kind of in their category towards the top of the league. I mean, he is number six in the league in red zone opportunities on the season. And, you know, there's a, we say some of these guys just break the mold. He might have a profile of a sell high, but he flat out just might be the touchdown scorer on a good Patriots offense. Sometimes we just have to come to grip with some anomalies, uh, you know, like this. But the big thing that when you drill into these red zone opportunities for Sony Michelle versus the other guys in the top five on the season, Sony Michelle is only responsible for about half of his team's red zone opportunities. Um, you got James White and the other running backs. Uh, James White, exactly two and a half. Uh, red zone opportunities per game. We had Rex Burkhead getting two and a quarter red zone opportunities a game uh, when he's in here. We've started to see uh, Damian Harris finally get some run this last week. So whereas you have guys like, you know, the Leonard Fournette's, the Christian McCaffrey's, uh, the Todd Gurley's, even the Tevin Coleman to some extent, they're dominating the entire suite of their team's red zone Opportunity, So you feel very comfortable that that's a very viable, projectable, sustainable situation because that's just the construct of that team's running back situation. When you get with the Patriots, you say, okay, we've got a lot of red zone opportunities for Sonny Michelle, and maybe that's the case just because he's a, the, the, the goal line running back or red zone running back for a good Patriots offense that's kind of run-centric uh, this year. Uh, but I think you could also argue that that is, that is classic Patriot games at the running back position where it's slide of hand and you never really know what the future holds or what could happen any week because at the end of the day, if he's only getting half the red zone opportunities, you, you don't, it's, that, that can go a number of ways in any given week, right? So that, that tells you that, yes, the Patriots are in the red zone a lot, but Sonny Michelle's not the guy always in the red zone that uh, – these other guys in the top five on red zone opportunities are on the season. So just a little bit of mixed signals with Sonny Michelle, a lot to feel good about, um, but definitely a guy you've got to consider uh, to continue selling high. You got to consider selling very, very high on in week eight. Uh, certainly if you have to hold Sonny Michelle, uh, that would be fine too. Aaron Jones, uh, back on the trade market for week eight, but you know, only as a sell very, very high. Only as a sell very, very high. I mean, you could certainly keep Aaron Jones. It was another good game. His fantasy game long is awesome on the season. You, know, you get worried. It's still 16 touches on a 57% snap count and a 48% touchdown dependency. For Aaron Jones, I mean, that flat out makes him an RB2. And really, he's you know been 
basically perform. I think some people are going to perceive him still as a virtual RB one. And if so, if you can make, get the arbitrage on the difference in the perceived value and the actual value, I mean, you'd be a fool not to attempt, you know, to leverage it or capitalize on it. So if you can trade Aaron Jones, I mean, again, the list is going to be very short, but if you can use Aaron Jones to trade up for an ultra premium running back from a struggling owner, you know, in a two for one consolidation trade, I mean, then that's absolutely something you consider. But again, it's only a sell very high on Aaron Jones, uh, a player, you know, it looks like you can absolutely keep at this point. I just think, you know, what you're getting is more of a, a good or high end RB2 than our RB1 aspirations may have been. Todd Gurley returns to the trade market for week eight in this same category. He, he, you know, he can continue to be a hold because he seems to be the guy that just gets the red, the touchdown and red zone opportunities for the Rams. But he, in my opinion, it was a, as a terrific candidate to be a sell very high uh, in most common leagues, especially because of the name value. The production's been there. The name value's still been there. And it just makes him a good candidate to sell very high on for a player that we view as a more elite uh, fantasy football commodity down the stretch, you know, specifically probably a running back commodity. Um, and maybe we could talk about a one-for-one deal for a guy like Devontae Adams later in the podcast when we work up some mock trade examples. But first, Todd Gurley, 19 touches on a 61% snap count in week seven, but he got another touchdown. Uh, the... Let's look at this really surprising number here for Todd Gurley. 65 total yards per game on the season for Todd Gurley. I've known about the 49% touchdown dependency. We know that because he's scoring all the touchdowns. That's been the primary source of his fantasy value. But 65 total yards per game for a player like Todd Gurley that's such a dual threat weapon easily could have been one of these 100, 120-yard you know, total yard per game guys in the past this prime. I mean, we're literally getting half that at only 3.8 yards per carry. It's just not Todd Gurley. You know, something's been definitely sap for him. I think we've known this. We've talked about it. Um, but a lot of you guys have held him because he's been good. And I think that's still fine. We just need to realize the reality behind the numbers and what we really have on our hands on Todd Gurley. So again, you would be negligent. If you had the opportunity to sell really high on him for a player we view as a better commodity down the stretch, not to attempt to do it. I think he's a marketable name that people, you know, people have to get guys that they feel good about in return when they're giving up a real, real big fish. It's a psychological thing, even if that doesn't align with the actual value of those players, as long as they feel good about it and a perceived value that can make things that helps them sleep a little bit easier at night. You know, people don't like. If people people don't feel like feeling like they lost, you know what I mean, then you know that's that. I guess that's pretty normal. So uh, we've got Malcolm Brown, who looks like he is going to uh, be out uh, this next week when the Rams have the best matchup in all of fantasy. I've got the RosterWatch.com matchup tool the week eight matchup tool pulled up here and it's the los angeles rams with the number one running back matchup of the week at home big favorites against the cincinnati Bengals, a 48 and a half point game total i mean see absolutely i'm expecting the prop to come in on the uh the, the player props from the sports books that we use for our uh 
DFS uh, uh, flex tool on Saturdays. I guarantee it's going to come in with Todd Gurley as a favorite to score a touchdown again this week, as it should. And I think you can continue to ride that wave on what's a, the best matchup in all of fantasy this week. But then it is the buy for Todd Gurley next week. We've discussed the underlying data behind his production. We've, um, you know, we got Malcolm Brown out this week, but you got to think by the time the buy's over, he can start to head back. And I'd say most importantly, Daryl Henderson, a guy that the Rams targeted in the draft that like with a specific purpose who has looked very, very good. He's looked like the best running back in terms of his playmaking ability. He's got the most juice of any of these guys on the Rams offense. It's only a matter of time. So it's just, it's a situation that's slowly devolving for Todd Gurley. And, um, you know, once again, for different reasons, similar to maybe a guy like Aaron Jones, I consider taking Todd Gurley leveling up for an elite RB1 sooner than later. Of course, Todd Gurley is just fine to hold as well. He's not a sell, only a sell very high. The same goes for Austin Eckler. Uh, after a predictably down-to-earth uh, week six, uh, it was another monster in week seven. But only on, on let me just double-check this, 12 touches, 59% snap count. I mean, so this was an absolute monster for Austin Eckler on 12 touches, 125 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, so, I mean, once again, you drill down down to the numbers, and I think Eckler's fine. He's been so good. You have to say you can keep him if you want him, and he's just fine. He's a good flex play. He's continuing to produce. He's the best fit for the game script that these Chargers are playing in right now. He's the best back for that situation with the offensive line, and we know that Melvin Gordon is uh, producing miserably. However, the Chargers seem committed to getting Melvin Gordon his touches and, you know, kind of fitting that square peg into that round hole right now. And you can't live on 12 touches and 59% snap count out of Austin Eckler on a bad team. So, you know, coming off that big game after we got a little bit of a reality check in week seven, I mean, in week six, we get the big game in week seven, a wise owner. This could be a time to sell very high on Austin Eckler. Then Latavius Murray, look, we're hearing that Alvin Kamara is still not practicing a lot. We'll be told on Friday, um, and guys, a lot of this, when we sell very high, it's, it's relative, right? It's relative to the player that you're selling. So not all these sell very highs are going to sell for the same price, but it's relative because Latavius Murray was worth peanuts just like a couple weeks ago. He was dropped for dropped or had for very cheap for Camara owners if they wanted him. Right. So, but now he's got value he had the big week last week coming home. Looks like there's a chance he's going to get another good matchup all to himself this week. And then it's the buy. So when I say sell, he's, when I say he's a hold, it's because you you know if you have him and you're not a Camara owner, you probably have him as a flex play right now. So he could be a hold. You use him this week. Um, if you're a Camara owner, you certainly are holding Latavius Murray at all costs right now. But but if you're not a if you are a Camara owner that's not a Latavius owner and you're struggling, I think you became a target for a Latavius Murray owner that. He doesn't necessarily need him this week to come to you, approach that struggling Alvin Kamara owner, and see what they can shake him down for on Latavius Murray. It's not going to be the same thing as these other guys that we just spoke about. But again, it's all relative. You know, selling high on Latavius Murray a couple of weeks ago would have been a couple of wooden nickels. So if you can do better than that and you don't need Latavius Murray this week and you're not an Alvin Kamara owner, then why not get? what you can for him. If you need to hold him and play him in a bind this week, 
fine, you know, go for it. And then of course, if you own Alvin Kamara, you know, don't ever, ever think about letting Latavius Murray off of your roster. Continuing at the running back side of the week eight trade market right here on the Tradecast, the rosterwatch.com Tradecast, on the Rosterwatch podcast over on Apple Podcasts. Guys, please give us a five-star rating and a glowing review. We would certainly appreciate that. Also support us over on the site, rosterwatch.com with this pro subscription or follow us on Twitter at Rosterwatch. David Montgomery, the Chicago Bears young running back. I mean, he's turned into a flat-out player that you just don't know what to do with. Do you sell him? Uh, do you just have to keep him? Are you stuck with him? I mean, has the floor fallen out so far that maybe he's a buy low because people think he's absolutely meaningless at this point and are just completely out of the business of the Chicago Bears offense. 52% snap count, uh, 12 touches for uh, David Montgomery this last week. Uh Excuse me, it was 52% snap count and 12 touches for David Montgomery before the bye. Before the bye. And then last week, that was the week six bye for the Bears. And then last week in week seven, he was down to, in the return from the Bears bye, he was down to four touches on 46% snap count. So after that first month of the season where we saw an upward trajectory of David Montgomery's touches and snap count doing that slow creep that made us feel confident that that was the trajectory he was on in his last two contests, his snap counts and his touches have completely devolved uh, to a very part-time and unreliable status on what looks like a team that could be in a very bad, I mean, the, if, we'll see the defense is supposed to be good, but that team could be in some bad game scripts given how they're playing and that's not good for the fantasy running back if your team's in bad game scripts especially a guy like Montgomery that they're really wanting to use on first and second down I think the only guy that can be trusted in Chicago right now is Allen Robinson so uh you know one thing maybe we keep in mind if there's somebody in your league that views David Montgomery as a total throwaway right now is that two of his next three matchups are top eight matchups per the matchup tool at rosterwatch.com so you know, a little bit of a three-way go on David Montgomery. You're mostly hands-off if you don't own him. If he's a buy super low, like an app, just like a free throw-in on a deal, you're happy to take him back and stash him on your bench and see what happens. And then, you know, certainly those of you, I know there's a lot of you who are thinking about selling him. It's just a matter of what you can get. So David Montgomery uh, back into focus for the Week 8 trade market, the running back side of that trade market. And then, of course, if we flip it over to the wide receivers – that have entered the discussion uh, for the fantasy football trade market here in week eight. We have to start with Marvin Jones, who's the ultimate sell high from the Detroit Lions, coming off an absolute mega monster. Uh, he has five touchdowns on nine red zone targets this season. It's just uh, bananas and obviously completely obscene and comical rate that's not even uh, conceivably sustainable. Marvin Jones does get the good matchup this week at home versus the Giants. And, but, you know, at seven targets per game, I think we know exactly what Marvin Jones is. He's a pretty solid flex with clearly with a lot of upside. Um, but uh, solid flex is at this point what you have to recognize Marvin Jones for. Um, 
So I would take my chances right now to capitalize on his week seven monster performance and see if I could turn Marvin Jones into a bona fide fantasy stud asset in return through a two for one or three for two consolidation trade in order to level up because that's what we want to do. That is, remember, we open this podcast uh, by outlining the different kinds of fantasy football trades are. And we said far and away the number one most important and highest priority type of fantasy trade is the consolidation trade where we take two players or we take three players, two good players or three good players, and we trade for one very good or two very good players in return where we're getting the best players in return and liberating a roster spot. And Marvin Jones, I believe, is a guy that – you can sell high on this week and achieve that that objective with Marquez Valdez Scantling of the Green Bay Packers. I think he's turned into a guy that we're not sure what to do with. Uh, we were pretty worried he was injured and going to be very limited this list last week. Limited he was on only three targets, but he's the receiver who had the biggest game for the Packers. Um, you know, it's been a tough stretch for Scantling really recently, especially with Adams out. You would have thought he would have done more. He's really only popped big twice this year, of really of note, uh, and which probably aligns with the type of player that Scantling and Prospect he is, kind of a big play, maybe a boom-bust type type player. Um, we got Adams obviously getting close to return. He, you know, with every week he may or may not be back this week. We'll talk up a little bit about Devonte Adams uh, here shortly. Uh, and Valdez Scantling has been a heavy, heavy snap count participant early in the season. This last week was very limited snap count participation, but we know that was based on the injury. Uh, but also only 5.29 targets per game on the season for Marquez Valdez Scantling. Certainly an injury, an issue. They did fade the wide receiver acquisition of Emmanuel Sanders we were hearing about, so that's good. We'll see if anything else happens in the meantime. So I think coming off the big performance with Aaron Rodgers looking so good, you could try to parlay Valdez Scantling into a better player by leveling up in a two-for-one consolidation trade and you know essentially quote-unquote selling high on Valdez Scantling off the big uh, game. But you know I, I could see you know he's a guy that um, I could also see you know keeping. You know, I could also see can see keeping Valdez Scantling as just saying, "Hey, look, I want a piece of this Aaron Rodgers offense right now." And you know, uh, Valdez is a big play dude in that offense, so let me just hang on to it. Kind of like a lot of folks are interested in Kenny Stills over on the Texan side of the ball with Will Fuller right now. So uh, that's something to think about. Don't really think you're buying in on Valdez Scantling right now. So maybe he's more of a sell high or a hold is what I'm going to change his status to here uh, for the Week 8 trade market right here on the RosterWatch.com trade cast. And then, of course, over on the buy side of the receiver market for Week 8, well, I mean, this has to begin and end for with Robbie Anderson. Uh, for me, you guys, have we've talked about him at length on this podcast over the last few weeks and what our very specific strategy was with him. And, guys, this is going to be our last chance to get Robbie Anderson, a guy that could be an incredible flex or wide receiver three down the stretch for you. Um, this is a perfect chance to still get him coming off what we knew was going to be a predictable stinker versus the Patriots. Um, it's been two points a game the last three times Robbie Anderson has faced Gilmore and the Patriots. We, we always knew uh, that 
this is the one matchup with the Patriots where we're looking to get out of the way before we get the dream uh, schedule. And I, I think with Sam Darnold looking like such a disaster in that game as well, people could even be lower on Robbie Anderson right now, the ones that haven't really sussed out his schedule as, as in-depth as we have. So hopefully the folks in your league have overreacted uh, to the Week 7 performance from the Jets and Robbie Anderson, and this might create an opportunity for you to buy in on him because look Robbie Anderson was a stash the last few weeks when we bought him and he's no longer a stash now now we are ready to go full systems go into the meat of the prime tenderloin of Ronnie Robbie Anderson's fantasy football season it's an epic schedule uh, his next seven matchups in a row are all good for Robbie Anderson and five of those are top eight wide receiver matchups on the season uh, given the data on the season to, to date per the week eight rosterwatch.com matchup tool. So Robbie Anderson about to enter wide receiver Nirvana the next seven weeks of the season with seven good matchups, five of which are top eight on the season. If you have a chance to buy Robbie Anderson, he could be still be had for a reasonable deal in your league. You need to go get it in a competitive situation. He's going to be a monster player, a very helpful player, uh, down the stretch Calvin Ridley he, The cat may or may not be out of the bag Post Muhammad Sanu I mean again we talk about turning things on their head It's one thing the trash man has always done well Is when <laughs> of, the, of the very few things That, those, that, those, that exist uh, <laughs> That <laughs> that <laughs> That's actually come To fruition for Trust me it hasn't been many uh, but the trash man has always been good at saying when a player gets traded or cut or injured, you know, m- most players think about what does that do to that player's value or what does that do to maybe the player's value on the new team they're on. But you got to think about what is a player, what happens to the player's value that are there to fill his void. And Calvin Ridley is there to fill a void now for Muhammad Sanu. It was a 2A, 2B situation. Uh, there between Sanu and Ridley for the Falcons. And, 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 and look, Calvin Ridley is a legit wide receiver too, that they drafted him to be. So this is the, this is an, it makes, this is a, a logical trade for the Falcons. This gives, this puts Calvin Ridley, this slides him into the slot that they drafted him for. And I mean, he's poised for the breakout. He looked amazing at training camp. He's a consummate professional, had the good rookie year. I mean, you got to remember that, uh, he's a guy that has separation abilities somewhat in the mold of a Keenan Allen or an Amari Cooper. And maybe the thing that we should remember most post Muhammad Sanu trade when we're looking at Calvin Ridley and whether we can buy in on him, whether our league mates are as hot for him, as bullish on him as we are, whether they have, uh, you know, whether they've really, they've, they've, they've thought this through or whether they're really privy to this is that the Atlanta Falcons are the number two team in the league in pass yards per game, right at 300 yards, a game just behind Kansas City. And Matt Ryan looks like he's probably good to go this week. Uh, it's a middling matchup for the Falcons and then a bye. But if your league mates aren't over the moon yet for Calvin Ridley, it's time to move in on him. Uh, Devontae Adams, the other wide receiver on the buy side, of the trade market for week eight three games missed and a buy on the horizon uh, struggling teams who held or bought Devonte adams may have bitten off more than they can chew of course this is only struggling teams who have acquired him 
Uh, at least, you know, in that situation, I'm at least checking out the situation of Devontae Adams. So I would say every one of you need to go to your league and see what is the record of the Devontae Adams owner. And if it's an opportunistic situation, uh, we know he's a game-time decision this week. If he misses any more time, luxury teams should be making an offer furiously for Devontae Adams this week. And then last but not least, before we get over to some of the mock uh, trade proposals for the week eight trade market is I believe Evan Ingram has potentially entered the fray for week eight. Uh, he's a, at least a guy we're not sure what to do with. He had a horrible game or maybe, maybe not sure what to do with. We're not sure exactly what his value rest of season is, is a better way to verbalize that horrible game in the number one matchup an all of fantasy for tight ends last week. Uh, he finished in a four way tie with Cody Latimer, Benny Fowler, and Saquon Barkley with five targets for second on the team. And just in the rear view, far in the rear view mirror of Golden Tate, who had 11 targets last week. We've got Sterling Shepard coming back. Daniel Jones is falling off. Um, Evan Ingram has fallen off in recent weeks. And just a lot more mouths to feed now for a rookie quarterback. So you wonder, I mean, do you take what you can get for Ingram now from another guy who's just been struggling and desperate at his tight end position? Do you just hold him and see this thing through? Are people getting worried about Evan Ingram and maybe there's a bounce back ahead and maybe we can start thinking about buying in a little bit low on Evan Ingram? Uh, unclear, but certainly a player I believe is going to begin to come into focus on the fantasy football trade market this week. At the very least, people are going to be monitoring very closely how Evan Ingram performs in week eight so a recap of the week eight fantasy football trade market the guys that we are looking to sell either really high on for a premium player or that we've become comfortable with just keeping on the running back side of that list are chase Edmonds, sony michelle aaron jones todd Gurley, austin eckler latavius murray carlos hyde miles sanders tevin coleman david johnson and chris carson and then the wide receiver side of the week eight fantasy football trade market, wide receivers that we are comfortable either keeping or we're also comfortable selling very high on in a consolidation trade for a premium, ultra premium or elite player in return would be wide receiver Terry McLaurin, Allen Robinson, Stefan Diggs and T.Y. Hilton. And this category would also be very fitting for the tight ends, Austin Hooper and Hunter Henry, both guys you can keep or you know, attempt to capitalize on by selling very, very high. On the wide receiver uh, side of the Week 8 trade market, uh, we have Marvin Jones as a flat-out sell. But we have Robbie Anderson, Calvin Ridley, and Devontae Adams as buys. On the running back side of the Week 8 trade market, Adrian Peterson, Jamal Williams, Joe Mixon, all bright red sells. Alvin Kamara, Le'Veon Bell, Devin Singletary, all buys on the Week 8 fantasy football trade market. And, of course, as we discussed, it looks like Zach Ertz could potentially be a little bit of a tight end buy in our fantasy football leagues. And, of course, as we covered, Evan Ingram, Melvin Gordon, guys who in Week 8 the jury is just very far out on and look like it could be kind of a three-way go. You could go any direction on either of those players. What does that mean? It means it's going to depend circumstantially on your team, your roster, your needs, the perception of those players' values 
in your league, the rosters of the teams that own those guys in your league. It's going to be circumstantially will uh, all of that will kind of uh, result in uh, what the status of those two players are in your league, but certainly players that their owners are thinking, what do I do with them, which means that they are certainly in play to some extent on the fantasy football trade market. All right, ladies and gentlemen, before we wrap up here, some examples of some mock trades that we would consider using, uh, making this week using the information that we've discussed right here on the rosterwatch.com tradecast on the rosterwatch podcast that you guys can find over at Apple podcast. Please leave a five-star rating and a glowing review. First, Robbie Anderson, one of the high priority wide receivers we want to track down this week we want to go after him can you use guys like marvin jones miles sanders or joe mixon to pursue robbie anderson might be a good target in an equivalency trade to balance your roster and improve your wide receiver situation if you're deep at running back or of course we're always interested in a consolidation trade if you have two lesser guys the owner the robbie anderson owner would be amenable to taking you know can you take a mark walton a ronald jones and throw in a Preston Williams type for a Robbie Anderson to an unsuspecting Robbie Anderson owner that needs two players to start this week because uh, his thin on his starting lineup. Can you take a Kenny Stills or an A.J. Brown and throw in a J.D. McKissick type and get yourself a Robbie Anderson? Maybe you got to up the ante a little bit, but that might be a good place to start to see what the value of Robbie Anderson is in your league. Calvin Ridley, could you do a Jamal Williams of the running back Green Packers straight up for Calvin Ridley uh, in a roster balancing move? Maybe Joe Mixon even straight up. It sounds a little bit rich, but I wouldn't blame somebody if they did that and needed a wide receiver and could live without Mixon right now. Or maybe, you know, ideally you're doing a consolidation trade. You're taking two lesser guys and trading up for Calvin Ridley. If you can find two lesser guys that can inspire enough, um, I guess, excitement on the other, on the Ridley owner's part in order to part with him. Maybe you could take a Ronald Jones and a Preston Williams and level up to a Calvin Ridley in a consolidation trade this week. Devontae Adams, wide receiver, Green Bay Packers. Can you take a Terry McLaurin and Allen Robinson, a Stephon Diggs, or a Marvin Jones and an Austin Eckler, or Carlos Hyde, or Jamal Williams, or even a Joe Mixon or Sony Michelle, maybe even an Aaron Jones. Can you use any of those guys, you know, to get yourself to an Adams? You know, some of those guys I listed, you're going to need to throw something else in. You know, maybe, maybe some of these other guys, you could start to think about a roster balancing trade a little bit more straight up. But I really urge you to try to make a two for one consolidation trade for Devonte Adams this week. If we hear that he's going to miss any more time, that's a that's a that's a winning trade if you're operating from a position of strength and operating from a position of luxury. And in that case, you have the assets to give up a, you know, Stefan Diggs and, a, uh, and another flex if you have to, to get up to a Devontae Adams. Of course, Le'Veon Bell or Alvin Kamara have the big, been big, big targets the last two weeks and, of course, are probably the two biggest targets right along with Devontae Adams this week in terms of just, yeah, you know, the the, the overall, um, you know, the overall quality of player that we're discussing here can use Todd Gurley, Aaron Jones, Austin Eckler, Melvin Gordon, Joe Mixon, plus a Terry McLaurin or a Stefan Diggs or an Allen Robinson or a Marvin Jones or maybe even a T.Y. Hilton to get up to a Le'Veon Bell or 
more importantly, maybe an Alvin Kamara who could turn back into a Christian McCaffrey type after the bye when Drew Brees, when he returns with Drew Brees. Uh, you know, or could you take a Joe Mixon plus a Carlos Hyde or a Sony Michelle plus a Jamal Williams and to level up in a two-for-one consolidation trade for a Le'Veon Bell or an Alvin Kamara uh, to an owner who needs two players in return to help them win this week while you liberate a roster spot and, uh, and capture the best player in the trade. And when it comes to Zach Ertz, can you take a lesser tight end and a solid flex play and go chase down or track down Zach Ertz this week? Can you take a RB2 or a wide receiver 2 straight up this week uh, and get Zach Ertz? Can you take a McLaurin or an Allen Robinson or a Diggs for an Ertz? Do you even want to do that? Can you take Jamal Williams or Austin Eckler or Carlos Hyde and ship those guys straight out for a Zach Ertz? I think those are things you have to consider, maybe like an RB2 that's been performing well for a Zach Ertz to get his owner off of him. But that sure would alleviate a headache. And then, you know, when you come to um, the guys like the Austin Hoopers that we talked about or maybe the Evan Ingrams, I start to wonder with a little bit of underperformance recently and depending on Patrick Mahomes' situation, I mean, do you start to think about taking an Evan Ingram or even an Austin Hooper and seeing if you could trade up for a Travis Kelsey right now while Mahomes is on the bench and Kelsey's owner is, you know, is taking the hit. So once again, Roster Watch Nation, we kindly and respectfully ask you if you could please uh, subscribe to this podcast, subscribe to the Roster Watch podcast on Apple Podcasts, rate the Roster Watch podcast with a five-star rating, leave a glowing review on Apple Podcasts for us, please, and then follow us on Twitter at Roster Watch and support us over at the website, rosterwatch.com, with a pro subscription. Of course, Roster Watch Nation, uh, we can't do any of this without without you guys. We have immense gratitude uh, for all of your long time and loyal support. And I can't tell you how much we enjoy being on the front lines of every one of your fantasy football teams, 365 days a year and i certainly look forward to joining you once again next week this is byron lambert on behalf of rosterwatch.com and until next time roster watch nation be good